What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt at it again. Post-Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 to in an absolute thriller of a game. I think that going into this game, all the hype around it with Taylor Swift and all the new eyes you can say on the game for many reasons. Again, Taylor Swift, uh, sports gambling being legal more this year than last and getting larger and larger as we move on. It's just an absolutely stunning Super Bowl. So many different storylines. We'll get into it all. Matt, following the, a huge Super Bowl, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, I, I'm with everything you just said. I think anytime you go into a Super Bowl, you're just hoping for a good game. And this was a fantastic one. You called it a thriller. It absolutely was. Uh, even down to the last bare few seconds, you know, it was really tense. And um, I thought the game was a blast. We've kind of been very lucky to have some magnificent Super Bowls over the year. And uh, this is another one. Yeah. And, and I mean, going looking at this from the first quarter, 0-0 first quarter, a lot of people probably looked at that and said, oh, boy, we're going to be in for a defensive battle. And and not like it was a shootout or anything, but I think the stars definitely shined. Uh, I think the defenses had their moments. The offenses had their moments. The star players had their moments, of course. Outside this of uh, was, one George Kittle, probably. Yeah, George Kittle kind of a stinker. We'll, we'll get to that in, in a little. But, I mean, Christian McCaffrey had a great game. A lot of people, a lot of people kind of, I'm sure, were all over him to score. He scores. Uh, Patrick Mahomes gets the second passing touchdown. That hits. Not a good day for the sports books, to be honest. They kind of got all collectively all got cracked over the head with the Chiefs winning. But uh, in terms of viewership, uh, I think that this there's no find me one person that wasn't happy watching this entire game. You know what? I'll be that guy. I have one complaint. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Not about the game. Not about the halftime festivities. We'll talk a little bit about Usher. I thought that was a solid performance, Um, even though it's everyone's favorite thing to kind of dig the performer as soon as it's over. I thought that was a solid performance. My one complaint would be, my God, they dialed the commercials back, man. I'm not sure I cracked a laugh. So, all right. So interesting. So me, a little bit of my background here. Let's let's start with the commercials. We'll get like the the less significant stuff out of the way. Yeah. Um, I'm a big like. To me, it's almost like commercials now have just become a who has the biggest wallet and who can get the biggest celebrities, right? And it works. You know, the, I thought the Dunkin' Donuts commercial, there's a, there's a way to do it where it's tasteful and it's, it's you know, very well-crafted and whatnot. And me, again, background, I'm a marketing guy, went to college for marketing. I'm watching all this stuff and all the all the commercials. And I agree. I think that it's it's become a... You know, you'll find your few and far commercials that are like you'll get a chuckle out of, but nothing really as, you know, crazy, you know, hit then it really hit home. Like, I feel like maybe when I was a lot younger or maybe even like, you know, 20 years ago or so. But I think that there's it's more of a I think a business conversation you can get into. Like, like, for instance, and again, we're we're a sports podcast, not a business podcast. But the first thing that I that came to mind yesterday when I'm watching the commercials. Is if you're a company. And I think I said this in a group chat. If you're a company and you don't have a QR code on your commercial, your company is behind. Period blank. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, like just the ease of it and just for, from a business perspective, it's like, you know, imagine watching a commercial and, you know, I, especially the Super Bowl commercials, right? Like how many times do you watch a Super Bowl commercial and you're like, you're in your mind, you're playing the game of like, okay, well, I'm going to try and guess what this is before the commercial ends. 
just throw a QR code on the screen, have people scanning it on their phones while the commercial is going on instead of, you know, putting on in like the smallest little words, you know, www. You know, this.com. Yeah. And, you know, this is probably a conversation for another day, but while we're on it, I think the commercials are just an extension of, and again, this is not sports, but they're kind of an extension of what we see in our film today and some of our music today, um, just in Hollywood production in general, where things aren't really, you're not really appealing to people anymore. You're not making something because you think it's great or you think it's funny. There's a lot of this, you know, trying to appeal to worldwide masses and really dumbing things down. I mean, I think about that Uber Eats commercial that was star studded and just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, but, but again, I think you're right. And I, I agree with you, but I think that there's a way that you can do it. That is actually, you know, somewhat funny. Like I, again, I thought the Dunkin' Donuts commercial with, you mean, you name a celebrity, they were, they were in that commercial. And yeah. I think that that was a, that was one that will probably be, I mean, a lot of people will probably point to that as the best combination of, you know, clever commercial and just overall, you know, star studded cast. And I think that that's where trying to find that happy medium there where maybe you have one celebrity or whatnot, maybe you have, uh, you know, some sort of funny joke or trending joke of some sort that everyone can kind of catch on to. Maybe um, Kanye West uh, kind of just recording a video in the back of a car of a car. That's for you. You got to listen to my my Kanye West solo podcast that I do an hour on every day. So <laughs> that, that's I'll reserve those comments. But yeah, I, I agree with you in the commercials. And I think that it's it's I think it says more to like the attention span of people as well. Like now I think that people with all the streaming services and people literally paying to not watch advertisements, I think is it's advertisers and marketers have kind of reached a, a weird crossroads where you're yeah commercials are more expensive than ever and you're getting more viewers than ever but like are, do really people care about them as much yeah i guess not yeah so yeah definitely definitely a, always a talking point was there any i'll throw out one that I'll, i guess i'll shout out a company i guess you could say but uh i really like the pluto tv one i think that was a good one where like they the premise of it was they had like all these farmers on a farm and they were quote-unquote growing couch potatoes and like every single one, like they would plant a TV in the ground and it was like a farm of people dressed in like these potato costumes. I thought it was very, very clever. You kind of got it exactly. Um, trying to think of, of any other ones. Was there any other ones other than the uh, uh, any other commercials that stuck out to you that you've kind of you, know, you said you laughed, you got a chuckle out of a couple or any that kind of not struck right. you as creative or not really, not really. Yeah. Any, what about celebrity cameos? Any celebrity cameos? You're like, oh, wow, that guy looks terrible or that guy looks great or that <laughs> girl looks amazing. I always get I, a couple of those. Well, Jennifer Aniston always looks great. Yeah, um, you mentioned the Duncan one. That was exciting. I'm, I'm a big Ben Affleck guy, Matt Damon guy. So see them kind of throwing the rock with Brady outside of a Dunkin' Donuts was pretty funny. Um, they they also probably have one of the best commercials last year, too. The yeah, Affleck they, and they Duncan. crush it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's it. That's a, a good marketing team, as, as you can tell. So uh, I, I like I like the commercials. I'm, I'm for it again. But I just think the, you're right. The allure of it is is definitely gone. Let's let's get right into this game a little bit, though, because, again, first quarter zero zero. I feel like, you know, everyone's kind of looking around the room and, and saying, wow, we're going to be in for a defensive battle. And obviously, you know, in terms of viewers, I think it's it's no secret that offense is really what sells nowadays. We kind of got that towards the back end. But give me some of your thoughts on, I guess, how this game started, uh, you know, huge fumbles, turnovers out of the gate. It looked like 
both teams might have been like a little nervous. Did you get that sense a little bit? Yeah, I think you you kind of get that every year where uh, teams might start out a little sloppy, a little bit conservative. But I, I do think, you know, as soon as they kind of knock the dust off a little bit, this was a, a pretty clean football game. Like anytime you saw a graphic counting up the the penalties we had, um, you know, that really slim to none. Um, I, I didn't think there were a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, one big mistakes that we'll get to on special teams that really the Chiefs needed. Uh, but outside of that, I do think it was a clean football game, given, you know, a fumble here, a fumble there, Isaiah Pacheco to start off the game. But no, I think it was a pretty clean, well-played game. Yeah, and I think that, again, the just the, the, the way that this game kind of flowed together, and I thought that, you know, there, I, there was definitely times where, you know, in the first half, I'm like, wow, are the 49ers really going to do this? Is this defense just going to really just shut down Mahomes? I mean, just thinking through, you know, just my personal thoughts while I'm watching the game, Again, I, I, my first thought was, wow, both of these defenses really came to play. And, it, and not saying that the offenses weren't prepared, because they definitely were, but I thought that the defenses in this, on both sides of the ball, especially in the first half, were, I'll even say the whole game, even down to the very, very end, I thought the defenses played, outplayed the offenses tremendously, uh, both whether it was even just small plays. Like, you know, the I said, I think I said this on a previous pod, maybe in the middle of the football season, but... Uh, I always said that if I was a defensive coordinator, I would make every single one of my defensive players take a boxing lesson at least once a week because all the time, I mean, how many times yesterday I can probably just, I'm thinking of like four off the top of my head where they get into this position, whether it's the Chiefs or the 49ers, where they're holding the ball carrier up as like a collective defensive unit and someone just goes in there and starts trying to punch the ball out of the guy's hands. And yeah. it worked with a couple turnovers early in the game there. I think it's, it's a thing that we're going to, we've seen for a while started like sort to grow a little bit and kind of ease its way into the game. But I mean, next year I, I, I would be stunned if, you know, you're not seeing almost every single guy just go up and, and just take an absolute haymaker at the ball. I thought it was very notable yesterday. Yeah. Anytime you see that in the Super Bowl, you kind of like think to yourself, well, I, I wonder why guys aren't doing that all the time. You know, it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like you know you're playing any game you're down the the clock's running you kind of just start to to go ape shit. Um, guys kind of just go into the Super Bowl like that, and you're like, where where is that during the regular season, dude? Is there just kind of some some gentlemanly handshake agreement to just chill out? Yeah, no, I, yeah, you're you're not wrong. It's it's an interesting little. I don't even know if it's like a a, a mental dynamic or just like the the mentality of the Super Bowl, but you're right. It's. I thought that there was a couple times yesterday where, uh, I mean, I don't want to say that the moment looked too big for Purdy, but I'll say early on, you know, we we spoke about leading up to the game about how, you know, my key matchup was, you know, when the Chiefs send pressure, how will the 49ers respond? And I thought that, you know, fast forwarding to the very end of the game where I think it was like third and two or something like that, right before the 49ers kicked the field goal, um, at the very end, he they it was like a third and two or something that they sent. Spagnola sent an absolute, you know, engage eight at Purdy, and he lets off this little weak throw that goes incomplete. They kick a field goal, and, you know, the rest, I guess you'll say, is definitely history. But I thought that the, the Chiefs' defense yesterday, especially in the first half, but, you know, later in the game when it, it got to those needed drives, and I think when they got to those needed drives and, you know, they needed a stop and they needed to get the ball back in Mahomes' hands, I thought they relied on their pressure very well. And quite frankly, 
I didn't think that the the 49ers really had too much of an answer for it. No, I, I think that that's probably, in my mind, what won the Chiefs the game here was uh, halftime adjustment. So you start off the game, field goal from San Francisco, then you have the little trickery, Jawan Jennings passing to Christian McCaffrey, makes it 10 nothing quick in the second quarter. Great uh, Chiefs, play. Yeah, Chiefs able to get on the board. It's 10-3 at half. We're all watching Usher, and the Chiefs are in the locker room. I I really think that it was the adjustments at halftime that did this. Because, I mean, they like like you just said, they came back out there and they dialed up pressure. I think it was 90% of the time just engaged yeah. at Brock Purdy. And there were times when they really, they couldn't clean out their backfield. Like they, they had nowhere to go. You'd see like they get to a second and five, it's immediately third and 11, you know? So I, I think that that's a, a huge testament to the chiefs because the 49ers are, you know, they're, they're chock full of options. So when you have that sort of confidence in your coverage guys and and those they did really well, you know, outside of a couple beaters here and there, they did really well. Uh, I think really sending that pressure was what completely put a a fork in the road for San Francisco. Yeah, and, and I think that you know I'm I'm a big believer in not really you know obviously stats only tell X amount of the story, but I think that you know Chris McCaffrey having eight catches for you know eight eighty yards I think it was or something like that kind of tells a story in itself that. You know, all the wide receivers, you said Kittle had a bad game. Uh, he really didn't do anything at all. Brandon Ayuk kind of had a lackluster game. Debo Samuel, all those big weapons on the 49ers that have been dynamic all year when Purdy has time to get them the ball and distribute, let their routes develop. It didn't really work for them. And I think that if there's a game where this you can kind of look at a stat sheet and think, hmm, no, okay, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, just by looking at this and not watching the game, it looks like to me that Purdy was under pressure, and he was. And I think that this is one of those rare games for the 49ers side of it that you can just look at the stat sheet and kind of tell what kind of game this was. Because there was a couple – outside of a couple, like one one play that really stuck, stuck out to me and I thought was a huge, huge, like, changing point. Uh, deep, they, they ran Debo deep down the, the slot on like a – I think it was like a third down play. He was wide open in the end zone. The Chiefs bring pressure. Uh, and he just Purdy just overthrows him, and it was a walk in touchdown. I mean, a beautifully designed play by Shanahan. But I thought that there was a couple of those plays that one being most specific that you know you can you look at the stat sheet and you'll see an incompletion, but a huge incompletion. You know, all incompletions are not the same. I don't know whose quote that is, maybe it's mine first when I thought of it, but it, I, it's so true that the you can have a little dump off pass to your, your running back that goes incomplete and is kind of insignificant. You might've gained one or two yards is way different than having an incompletion where guys running in the end zone for free, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, we, we did get into the third quarter uh, chiefs kick a field goal. And then we have the 16 yard touchdown pass to Marquez Valdez Scantling. If anyone uh, held my bet that he would have a, a longer reception than Debo Samuel. Um, then we get into the fourth quarter. Jawan Jennings catches a touchdown pass to put the Niners back up 16-13. And at that point, I'm thinking, like, if this game ends and the Niners win, Brock Purdy is never going to beat those passenger game manager allegations because Jawan Jennings is going to be the MVP of the game. And it was crazy. He was, like, minus – or he was, like, plus 150 at one point, where in the beginning, like, live during the game. But before the game, I think he was, like, plus 1,500 or even maybe maybe even more. It was crazy that at a point he was he was probably going to win. If the 49ers won, it was likely that he was going to win. He threw a passing touchdown before Purdy does. 
and he yeah. catches one from Purdy. I mean, a, absolutely crazy. I think that, again, love the play call, but I, it's it's interesting that, you know, think about it like this, right? If you want to – however you want to chalk up the guys, you know, on the outside, not not talking about McCaffrey, but thinking about Kittle, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, right? If, if you want to take the thinking of, all right, you know, one play will go to Debo, one play will go to Ayuk, one play will draw it up for Kittle. If you want to take that thinking – and they had such terrible games or lackluster games, but Jawan Jennings was the one that kind of shined through. To me, what that tells me is that Purdy was forced to go to his second, third options on almost every single play, and that's kind of why Jennings had a big game because he showed up in in a – I mean, really only four catches and a touchdown, obviously throws the touchdown as well. But, you know, on a regular week, even on a bad game, you're expecting Debo Samuel to have four catches. You're expecting Brandon Ayuk to have four catches. You're expecting George Kittle to have more than two catches for four yards. To me, it's just, again, looking just at the box score, and obviously I watched the game, but just trying to prove the point that this if you just look at this box score closely and really think about the game, I thought that the Chiefs did a wonderful job of not letting Purdy get to those, you know, I don't want to say pre-snap reads, but you draw a place for guys here and there. And I thought the chiefs took that away beautifully. Yeah. And well, anytime that you're running back, you know, I get how great Christian McCaffrey is. I get that sometimes he's the best weapon on your team, but anytime he's your leading receiver, I, I think that's a testament to the opposing defense. Cause yeah, those were not that, that all, on. those weren't all designed, you know, screen passes or, or looks to CMC. A lot of these were, I got nobody and they won't stop setting pressures now. And this is all I got. Yeah, and it's it's just all checkdowns, all screens. And look, there's obviously there's a couple of plays there that you know he uh, for McCaffrey when he was receiving that he obviously broke a couple. I think late in the game there he broke a long screw, like kind of broken looking screen that was very impressive. Again, you're right. I'm not taking anything away from Christian McCaffrey, but if you're right, if he's your leading receiver and both receptions and yards, and I mean I, I guess the same amount of touchdowns as Jennings, but he's got your all most of your receptions, most of your receiving yards, and and I guess half of your uh, your scoring in a way, that's not, I don't know if that's really a recipe for success as like it would be if you know Debo's in the end zone and Kittle's getting in the end zone and you got to start worrying about the outside guys more than just the guy in the backfield. So just a just a testament to just overall football itself. Let's let's before we get to the fourth quarter because obviously the fourth quarter and overtime are going to be the two biggest I guess t- talking points of this whole game. But what did you think of the halftime show? Uh, I thought it was good. Like I said, uh, I didn't go in expecting too much. And anyone who does the Super Bowl is going to get memed or are going to get clowned or people are going to say, oh, I, I just didn't like it. Uh, but I thought it was cool. I was really expecting to see Justin Bieber out there at some point. I, I was surprised we didn't see that. Yeah, I, I, you know, they showed him in the pregame on like the big screen with uh, with Haley. And I thought that, you know, he, he kind of looked like in my head, I'm like, is he really going to just leave his wife up there at halftime to, Hey, I got to, got to go perform, be right back. And also like the amount of people that bet on the game and bet on, you know, who, who would be the, you know, the, the guest appearance, that was a huge market. You know, I don't know how much they, you know, people would have been fixated on him for betting purposes. Like, Oh my God, like Justin Bieber left his booth. He's easily going or his suite. He's easily going down to perform. I thought, you know, what I'm trying to say is when they showed him in the beginning, in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know how much he's looking like he's going to, you know, perform today per se. But nonetheless, I was, you know, as soon as Alicia Keys comes out, I'm like, 
obviously they're going to sing my boo. Obviously that that was going to happen. It was always Alicia Keys. And then you get the whole, uh, you get the whole cast of, of just, you know, early two thousands rapper, will I am Ludacris, Lil John. I mean, yeah. if you, if you were in our demographic and even like, a, you know, maybe a few years older, you, you were, you kind of had a little bit of nostalgia there. Yeah. Years ago on vacation, some like cabin vacation or something, uh, me and my stepbrother went and did a karaoke night and the song we did was yeah. And we kind of like split up the verses and figure out who's going to do what. And that's probably like 14 years ago now. Yeah. It, I mean, it was nuts because they like, I thought that when, once Alicia Keys came out, I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, she'll, she'll come out and they'll, they'll do that one. And they'll, you know, maybe they'll, she'll just join him on stage. But then, I start, you start seeing one person, then another person, and then another person. I mean, he, then you got Usher on rollerblades. I mean, that was, it was yeah. crazy. And I thought that it was, uh, the, the complaint was that, and I, I don't know how valid it is. I guess I'll, I'll ask you your opinion on this, but the, the one complaint that I got was, you know, when you're performing songs that are like 20 plus years old, or even, you know, 10, 15 plus years old, maybe the, the choice of performance of performer for the Super Bowl might be, a, I wouldn't say a poor one, but maybe a little bit outdated i don't know did you see anyone complaining about that how like you know he you know oh wow this is so so eye-catching but why see he's he doesn't have any newer songs in this to perform people lie people say they want that no one wants that at the super bowl halftime show i think I everyone agree. wants a song that they know that they can sing could you imagine if usher did some new shit from an album no one knows give me yeah. a break with this come on i i agree and you're you're spot on because can, and can ironically yeah continue continue well, let me ask you a question. How come two years ago we get the rap halftime show? Dr. Dre, Kendrick, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, uh, 50 Cent, if I'm leaving anyone out, sorry. They won an Emmy for that. No one gave them shit. I mean, we're talking Eminem doing Lose Yourself. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg doing bangers from The Chronic that came out in 2001. No one had anything to say. But now yeah. Usher does, does his hits from the 2000s. And it's it's the best of his catalog. And people, I don't know, people just, like I said, they see the halftime show, they have to find something to complain about. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I loved it. Look, as as someone that would, would frequent uh, confessions on their CD player when I was in, you know, early middle school, late, late elementary school, even for me, um, I, you know, my little CD player, I, I was... I liked it from start to finish. So I'm, I'm not one of those people, but I definitely have seen that as well. Um, all right, let's, before we get into the rest of the second half, I'll let you have your, whatever you want to say about Taylor Swift. Go ahead. Uh, it was great to see her. Um, I, she doesn't lose. So the chiefs were going to win this game. Uh, we can go over our picks real quick. I mean, you obviously uh, won the season. Uh, this is no excuse on my end. I mean, I dug myself this hole when the playoffs started, but, a lot of my pick had to do with kind of knowing where you were going to go, given your, you know, your lust for Patrick Mahomes and his greatness and all that. So I kind of had to go the other way. Um, but yeah, Taylor Swift, and she's never lost once in her life. So why would it be any different this time? I thought it was awesome. She's up there with Ice Spice. She's she's the man. Ice Spice was up there with Taylor Swift. Get, don't yes. get that twisted. Um, yeah, I like but... all the memes of... Uh, when she met Jason Kelsey, I like all the memes yeah. of like... Uh, when Ice Spice met Jason Kelsey, it's like... Excuse me, ma'am. What what does "groth" mean? Yeah, that <laughs> I I did see all of those. They, someone said, uh, "So am I the shit or am I the fart?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, was, that was really good. There, it, it was it was a good, uh, definitely a good cultural mix there for sure. 
Yeah. Well, I'll say this, and the last thing I'll speak about any sort of celebrities on this. How how spot on was I with my whole like fairy tale ending take? I was spot it was, on. It was really like it, it was high school musical. It was it was Disney yeah. at its best. It was really crazy to watch that and be like, this is real life. This little rom com we're watching right now. It was it was actually it was really a rom com. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, it was a it was a mix of a rom com and a Disney uh, princess. You know, I to me I see Taylor Swift and. And uh, Travis Kelsey, they hugging and kissing after the game in the field. And I'm like, this is just like the the kind of sports version of like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Like with with, well, with a twist. Now that we're talking about the end of the game and Travis Kelsey and Taylor, this is not something I wanted to have to talk about when we were going into the fourth quarter in overtime. So let me just jump there. Travis Kelsey sometimes. I can't I, I can't really hate on him for any of this. I mean, he just won another Super Bowl. He's the man, whatever. Dude, his, his like his WWE, um, you know, sort of style on the mic. It, I don't know, dude. It, it must have given Taylor Swift the ick a little bit. I think that. Well, you're you're gonna hate this, but I think that that just went perfectly in line with the whole swag surf thing that Taylor Swift and all those <laughs> all her you know her uh, entourage did. It, it just like is the perfect cringe couple. Me. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That, that's what they are. Yeah, it it is, and like, and I'm, I'm for it. You can acknowledge that. I'm for yeah, it, yeah, but I'm yeah, 100. I'm not going to disparage it either. I think they're both, you know, Travis Kelsey, multi-time Super Bowl winner, locked to be in the Hall of Fame, yeah. arguably best tight end of all time. Against you know, dating the essentially the queen of the United States. Like it's 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 exactly what you you write in stories, and I thought yeah. that that was that was baked into my take. All right, now so, let's, so let's, we'll get into the end of the game, but the halftime show, who was the bigger loser of the halftime show? The, the people, the curmudgeons you just mentioned who were complaining about it, or was the biggest loser Swizz Beats? Um, uh, see, I'm a, I thought that was a little bit blown out of proportion. I'll tell you, this. yeah, it's art. I, like, I get it. it. Like, like, not, like, you got to understand that, first of all, that that performance of whatever the, I think it was two songs that Alicia Keys and, and uh, Usher performed or maybe three, but those I would venture to guess that if I looked up uh, Usher, Alicia Keys live performance any year, it's probably a very, very similar yeah. sort of act. I'll say. Yeah. So I'm it like, I'm imagining, you know, taking the celebrity out of these people. I'm imagining that, that uh, Swiss beats had been briefed on said performance much prior. Yeah. Yeah, like just just thinking of it as from a person perspective. If not, I, I'll and you know next week we find out that Swizz Beats and Usher had a a Will Smith moment, I guess somewhere. But uh, I'll look. I'll sit here and eat crow about it. But I think they're they're all professionals. They've all. I would venture to guess that Swizz Beats has has been in similar you know sort of uh, performative situations, we'll say, than with women than Alicia Keys and Usher. Does that make yeah. is that fair? Yes. So, so I took us, I took us to the uh, Jawan Jennings touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter to go up 16, 13. And then this is where the game, you know, started to become a lot of fun because you're starting to watch the clock and you're starting to learn how these teams are going to manage the clock or how are they going to get the Mahomes the ball one more time? They kind of wind up uh, trading field goals until overtime, but in those last, you know, six minutes or so when this game is 16, 16 before eventually ending up, at the 1919 tie we had going into overtime. Is there anything there that you wanted to 
touch on. I mean, I think a little bit earlier than that, the muffed, shouldn't even call it a muff punt. I guess it went off a, a guy's foot. That was really what the Chiefs needed to, to kind of remain in this game. Uh, but outside of that, just down the wire here, when we're like, oh, my God, are we going to get overtime? Was there anything you wanted to touch on? Maybe it's about clock managing or maybe it's about a play. Well, not necessarily, you know, anything too, too specific. But I did have a couple of things that I kind of just, you know, wrote down as I'm watching the game. Just, you know, just my open thoughts. One thing I wrote down was, uh, and I quote, I didn't know that you couldn't fair catch in the second half of the Super Bowl. It's obviously I'm I'm speaking yeah. hyperbole, yeah, but yeah, yeah. no one yeah. was no one was fair catching. I thought there was at least two times that I that I thought for sure. Yes. You know, I get it. You don't want to fair catch inside your ten, whatever. But you know when you got to kind of as a as a punt returner in in those situations with you know these guys flying down the field at you and you're already kind of backed up close to your goal line. I mean, it was just there was a couple times where I thought you could have just fair caught the ball and and. Maybe you don't have the best field position. Maybe you don't get to – obviously, you don't get a chance to return it. But, man, you had a – there was a couple of those times you had sweat. Even the Chiefs – and this are both teams, not just not just the Chiefs, not just the 49ers. But there was one time I think the – I don't want to – I don't remember who it was that was receiving the kick. But someone on the Chiefs caught the ball and, like, yes. barely bobbled it. And I, I was like, you could have – you had – you felt everyone in the whole building take a collective gasp. Yeah. There, there was a punt, I think, to the Niners. Um in second half of the game. And I had a little thing going on in my apartment. So not everyone there, a big football fan. So me and another guy were kind of just, you know, talking as the game goes, not really explaining, but just sort of, there's one point where we were both like, oh yeah, fair, fair catch. And then a guy just gets throttled and we're yeah. looking for flags. And we're like, no, he just didn't call for a fair catch. Yeah. It, it was, it was interesting. And again, that's just, uh, you know, you, you speak, we speak of, you know, top needing the best roster top to bottom. And I, I'm a big proponent of, judging how good a coach is by judging the bottom of the roster, you know, in a way like not necessarily, you know, the bottom of the roster, but the guys around the edges, like how well is your, how good is your punt returner at recognizing a scenario and recognizing a situation where, you know, that ball's in the air. If I muff this in any sort of way, our season's over. And I think yeah. that, that, you know, not necessarily saying that there was a bad job by the coaches, but I think that you know, just looking at an overall game perspective, this was such a let me give you a little backstory. Right. So I, I went to the when I was at the Giants and uh, Rams game. Right. Uh, I think week 17 or 16, whatever. I was sitting with, a you know, I was with a bunch of people and one of the girls there was not really a big football fan. But I'm I was kind of just trying to explain to her, like, you know, the, the the little importance of things as you go, like like kicking a field goal versus, you know, going for it on fourth down and the field position and whatnot. And yesterday, if you weren't a football fan and you were being explained you know, the ins and outs of football. I thought there were so many different examples yesterday in the game that were like almost like good teaching points for non-football fans that like didn't understand like, okay, so what you didn't put up one point to a non-football fan, you know, you see, you see you have a three point lead. The 49ers did you go to kick the field goal to put it up by four. A lot of people would, would see that extra point is not really too like necessary per se. It's like, Oh, Oh, well you didn't make the extra point. Who cares? But it ended up being it changes everything, just like a small little the, I'm talking about the missed field goal specifically. But there's yeah. so many different instances where these, you know, quote unquote, minor plays came back later on, both both in, you know, we you could talk about different penalties that happen. And there was even like a Travis Kelsey route where someone was holding Travis. One of the linebackers was holding Travis Kelsey on like uh, the drive before. And then Travis Kelsey, he ran a route where it was like a little corner route. 
and this he ran it on the same guy that got the holding call. He uses his leverage, goes goes outside, then in. And I thought that, you know, without that holding call, that guy probably either holds on that play or is just a little more physical. And maybe Travis Kelsey doesn't get that separation there. It was a very, uh, very good game in terms of like, I guess you can call it like a butterfly effect sort of game where the littlest things end up being the biggest differences. Yeah. I, so yeah. with Travis Kelsey and getting uh, separation, that was kind of the bell they rung. Uh, you know, down the stretch of that game, just sort of, you know, going full reliable and Travis Kelsey just kind of stretching the field. A lot of Swifties probably upset. He wasn't able to punch one in. He was a few yards away at one point. But um, something I was kind of surprised about down the stretch of this game. So this is when the Chiefs are down 19-16. So they need that field goal to force overtime. So I know that Mahomes has been hurt doing something like this before. I didn't know to the degree that Kansas city refuses to, you know, whether you want to call it a tush push or even just a traditional QB sneak, they refuse. We're in the super bowl. It's third and one Pacheco doesn't get it. Okay. We got a few more inches and you're expecting him to just kind of tuck, but no, he's sitting back in the pocket. He winds up converting it with his legs because he's Patrick Mahomes. But is that kind of stunning to you that even on a stage like the super bowl there, because listen at MetLife in January, I get it. But in the Super Bowl, you're not gonna you're not gonna tuck and and pick up that first down. I thought that was kind of surprising to me. Well, I think there's a couple different ways you can approach this, and the first one that comes to my mind is that it, that's just all the more reason why that play shouldn't be banned in terms of the tush push. Or I get you know I get what you're saying in terms of just you know how you can approach that play versus you know you know why why wouldn't you just run it straight up the middle and why why have Mahomes throw the ball? I get it. But I think that, you know, the the that play specifically and going forward in like a short scenario like that, again, to the to the to the novice football fan, which, again, Super Bowl lends to a lot of novice football fans uh, every year. They probably think you're right. Like, you know, that's that's a silly thing to do is just not just run straight up the middle. But it's it's a lot more difficult to gain one yard than it looks. And I think that that's a it's a it's a testament to, you know, not only how well the defense has played yesterday, but. Just how I just feel like how well these teams are coached and how how well they they execute that you know it's almost like if you're Andy Reid and this happened again again they the Chiefs go for it on a fourth and one it's a great play call and they I just think that it's it just it speaks to the preparation and how you know you don't think Kyle Shanahan and you don't think Andy Reid had multiple multiple sessions all week fourth and one at the goal line or fourth and one here, fourth and one there where I'm sure. Yeah. It's just surprising to me that they, the aversion to doing it though is kind of what, what surprises me because when, when you're taking the gamble of I'm going to drop back a couple yards here, you, you are running the risk of a play just breaking down the pocket, breaking down and and you just lost the Super Bowl because of that. If, if that would happen, I don't know. It's just surprising to me. I think you're, you're right. And I think that, the the my initial you know knee jerk reaction was when the when the Chiefs had that fourth and one I believe they went to the shotgun uh, and ran a play and I mean to me you almost putting yourself in the shotgun in that position you know I would say you have to gain extra yards but naturally you're further away from the first down than you would be under center and I think it's it's a it's a shift in the game overall just how you know offense is thought of and how how offense is run and just like how how comfortable quarterbacks are taking the snap under center versus, you know, uh, in, in the shotgun and whatnot. There's so many different angles to look at, you know, the, the short yardage game in the NFL. But 
I thought that late in the game, I guess my we started this little uh, session here. Ask you asked me like any sort of thoughts in the fourth quarter or whatnot. But the only other thing I had written down was I thought Mahomes slash Andy Reid down the stretch of that game made every single play, every single play. Third and seven, third and four, fourth and one, first and fifteen after a whole after a uh, a false start. I mean, they made Mahomes made every single play, and it was it's almost like to the point where you can't even fault. Shanahan and the 49ers for you know how how well their defense played or how they I guess quote unquote crumbled but I just I don't know what you could have done it to me it seemed like it seemed like Patrick Mahomes just had game breaker on you know yeah did you see the Shanahan stat of his so he's been to the Super Bowl three times twice now as a head coach once as a play caller uh oh and three obviously and he is being outscored 74 to 29 in second half uh, slash overtime. So, you know, he was kind of my guy that I said should have the most pressure on him going into this one. And uh, I mean, my God, <laughs> he's kind of, uh, you know, he's the donkey of the week now. So uh, th- I do want to talk a lot about this coin toss. There yeah, is a little bit of controversy definitely. there. So uh, the 49ers win the toss and they elect to receive. Uh, we know how the game ended, but uh, do, do you want to tell the listeners what uh, several 49ers players had to say about that decision essentially they they said that you know they they just didn't know what the rules were they didn't under, they thought that I think it was Kyle Juszczyk even quote was quoted in saying that uh you know he just thought we elected to receive because that's what we would have done in the regular season where again the if you didn't if you don't know by now I'm sure you, you're sure you've probably heard it somewhere but if you don't know by now the postseason rules are are different than the regular season ones and I mean there's I've been debating all morning different group chats and different people and listening to different different ideas about this but I I'll say this I don't I don't hate receiving there No no I, I don't, don't hate receiving there I just I don't hate it at all I you could totally argue you know I want to see what I'm up against and have a chance to ma- I I get it but I I don't have a problem with them receiving I I just thought it was crazy to you're in the Super Bowl and you don't know the playoff rules yeah, no, it's 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 a wild world. I can't believe I can't believe that the players would like say that. Like yeah. to me, you might you might as well say like that that's that's essentially NFL player speak for we weren't prepared. You might as well have just said that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, that's yeah. no good. If this came to overtime, we just had no clue. Yeah. Like that that's a it's a crazy, crazy thing that like I mean, that's like almost saying like if you're thinking of it in baseball terms. I didn't know. I didn't know you could throw a fastball. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you mean you didn't know? Like, or like, you gonna you're going against Mariano Rivera? And it's like, wow, man, that cutter was crazy. Like, I did not no. know the pitcher could throw over to first base <laughs> while I'm standing here. Yeah, like it, it was it, it was crazy. But I think that you know we can talk about the the actual you know decision to go for it or decision to receive versus not. I mean, the the argument for that goes against what Shanahan did, and, and you know, thinking that the 49ers should have kicked was. You again, you give Mahomes the ball, and even if he scores and drives down the field like he did, you'll know what you need. And then you're at you put yourself at an advantage in the point of, you know, we we then can go for it on fourth downs. We know we need a touchdown. We know we can tie the game with the field goal. And then also you can kind of say that, all right, well, even if they score a touchdown and then we score a touchdown, they're not getting the ball back because we're gonna go for two. Like I think that the 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 whole thing of like 
you know, Kyle Shanahan, when, when they asked him about the decision, he, he, one of the points he brought up was, oh yeah, you know, we were, we were playing that, you know, if they scored, then we scored, or if, if we scored, then they scored, we would get this, the first sudden death, uh, third possession, which is, is one way to think of it. But realistically, if you think of it in the, in the place of, of the Super Bowl, you have to understand that if you score first or if they score first and then you score they're, that first team's not touching the ball again. You're going for two. It just makes so much more sense to do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, almost it's almost blatant. Yeah. Uh, so we do get into overtime. The 49ers kick their field goal. They go up three. And I, I think on the final drive for the Chiefs, we could talk all about it. Uh, Mahomes was, I think, eight for eight. He had a, a big 19-yard scamper with his legs. And I, I think at that point of the game, I, we all kind of knew what was coming. And then at the end of this game, somehow – the Jets kind of write their name all over the Super Bowl. Yeah, Miko Miko Hartman in the most in the most Jet way possible had no clue that he scored the, the game winning touchdown. They had no idea the game was over. Yeah, yeah, you you could take them out of uh, Atlantic Health Drive. Yeah, you you can't take the green and white out of the player. You can take yep. the player player out of the green and white for sure. Yep. Um, yeah, I thought again, beautiful beautiful play design there on that last play. I was I the the offensive. Uh, you know, thinker that I am, I guess you could say, I was absolutely geeking over some of those last plays that Andy Reid and Mahomes ran. I mean, the play that we get into every Super Bowl has, you know, a play that you're going to remember, this play that, you know, is going to go down in history. To me, that the play that really, really kind of is going to be a, a testament to what this Super Bowl was and how the Chiefs could win that game. Again, Patrick Mahomes, they run this you know, they get uh, Bosa on the edge there, right? They run like a pseudo triple option. Kelsey split out to the right, Pacheco to Mahomes' right, fake the handoff, use Bosa as a read man, and Mahomes scurries up for the first down and ultimately uh, kept the drive alive, brought all, you know, a huge possession that obviously, you know, a stop there would have not ended the game. It would have been put them in a tough fourth down, but I mean, they went right at Bosa. They they put they ran an option on Bosa to keep the game and their season alive. And yeah. I thought that was so ballsy, and it was such a beautiful play design that I I genuinely think that once again the read is obviously the hardest part there for the quarterback. But once Mahomes is past that read, I mean the the water just split. There was it, he had ten yards, and if he was you know if that was Lamar Jackson, he, it might have been a touchdown. That's how big of a gap he had. It was just such a beautifully run play, and it just. I think it speaks to not not even Mahomes. I mean, he made the right read, the offensive line blocked. But I mean, Andy Reid. I think he doesn't. He I think he still doesn't get enough credit for no. his his coaching prowess. Yeah. So he, Andy Reid. Let's start talking about you know legacies from this game before we start talking about damaged legacies, like you know Shanahan or maybe even George Kittle. The last time he lost a Super Bowl. You have him mic'd up on the field saying, you know, I'll be back here and I'm coming back with a vengeance next time. Well, sorry, you're not going to get a TikTok edit now. Yeah. Two catches, four yards. Yeah. But uh, legacy wise, Andy Reid has had, I mean, just the most incredible uh, second wind of coaching you could ever imagine. And I think a lot of the reason, well, I know a lot of the reason he doesn't get credit is because of what the Chiefs are and, and who they have at quarterback. But just, I don't know that we've ever seen an offensive guru and, and just a, really an elite play caller. Let's not just call him an offensive mind, an elite play caller, you know, have this level of success in the NFL where you, you I think you could look at him and say he's the best offensive coach we've ever seen. 
I, and I think it's it would be very, very fair. And I think that, again, the problem that I think Andy Reid's going to run into and is going to be, you know, you keep stacking up these rings and MVPs with Mahomes and you find yourself in a Belichick-Brady debate. Yeah. Where, like, you know, and, and now we're – I'm not going to say that Andy Reid's going to, you know, fall off or whatever or even nothing to that extent. I'm a, I'm a huge Andy Reid fan. I've been a huge Andy Reid fan prior to him coming to the Chiefs and when, when no one really thought of him as, like, you know, he was a good coach definitely uh, deserving of a head coaching job, but you're right. He took, he took his, his, uh, I guess his legacy and the way his perception to an absolutely elite level. And I think it's very, very fair to, to put him in conversation with all of the great head coaches. Yeah. You could turn the clock back 12 or 13 years. And we're looking at like an older Andy Reed who, you know, he's coaching the, a team that got labeled the dream team, you know, the Mike Vick, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson group. And I think they went eight and eight or something like that. He kind of looks like maybe he's on his way out of the league. He winds up in Kansas city. And I don't want to say this just fell on his lap. He has a, a, a huge part of it. He has a lot to do with it. Um, so yeah, I wanted to give Andy Reed his flowers. Let's talk a little bit about Travis Kelsey before we get to, you know, obviously the man of the hour, he's really putting himself up for consideration for best tight end of all time. Just I, I, I've heard Gronk's side of this and well, you know, he's more of a receiver. I kind of did everything, but this guy's output at the, in the biggest moments. I mean, he's kind of like a Tom Brady or a Derek Jeter in the way where, or Mahomes, where you can look at their postseason numbers and it's like another career. It's a, it's a whole another career. And it's, it's so impressive that like we said, Last week, we said the week before, every time we, we talked about the Chiefs, it was the, the, the thing was, all right, will Travis Kelsey, did Travis Kelsey just have a really good game? Is he going to revert back to kind of the, the lackluster regular season that he had? And it, and that wasn't the case. He Travis Kelsey's season started this season in the postseason, and he was, he are very, very arguably was the best offense, non-quarterback offensive player in the entire postseason for the entire length of the postseason, And ultimately, look, you, you know, you can say that he, he didn't win the MVP. Obviously, he was going to go to Patrick Mahomes at the end there. It's an unbelievable game. Not going to take anything away from him. But I think that just the the, the fact of, I mean, the, the viral, I guess, meme now is that when he went up to Andy Reid and kind of pressed him for taking him out of the game, people got to understand something that, you know, you can, and I'm not, this isn't me sliding Gronk. This isn't me sliding any, you know, whoever you want to put in the, the best tight ends. But I think it's something to the competitive edge of Travis Kelsey that, you know, you look at that play that when that happens and, and, and he goes out, not goes after Andy Reid, but he's all over Andy Reid in his ear, kind of screaming him to get him back in the game. A lot of guys are, are doing that and putting themselves in that position when they want the ball. Travis Kelsey wanted to be in the game because hit the tight end that went in the game for him missed a block. And I think that that just speaks to the fact of Travis Kelsey at the end of the day, he's look, you can think about his regular season as lackluster. It, it was to, for in his standards, but I think that there, he's one of those guys now that he he's really is the ultimate competitor at the tight end position. And, you know, you can say that that was not a good look for him to be, you know, press his coach like that. But I think it speaks so yeah. highly to him that he's, he wanted to be in the game so that someone else could score versus him wanting to be in the game because he wasn't getting the ball, maybe. You know, does yeah, that, that make sense? That, uh... 
Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, the same thing happened to uh, George Kittle in this game where his backup goes out there for, I think, two plays. He gets flagged. Um, that whole interaction with Andy Reid, way blown out of point. Andy Reid's been a, a coach in this league for a long time. He, he's a big boy. He can handle Travis Kelsey. But did you see the Swifty flip side of you know that clip being over-exaggerated and put all over the place about how I'm kind of worried for Taylor now. This guy looks like he might be abusive. Hey, oh, I mean, I didn't, but I can definitely see that in this uh, in this landscape of yeah. social media and how sensitive everyone is. I can easily see, and especially again, I, I keep I've said this might be the third time I said this on the entire pod, but the fact that you know there's so many non-football uh, watchers watching this game that that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yep. So, but uh, look, I'm, I'm happy for him. And I think that you know, looking at the post game and, you know, you can, again, we said he was cringe or whatnot, but he's so WWE and I'm a big believer in if you win the Super Bowl, go be as cringe as you want. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you won the yeah. Super Bowl, like the, the, the coined phrase of the Super Bowl is, is I'm going to Disneyland, which is, uh, you know, it's so, it's so kind of drawn out now and everyone says it and it's, it's, it's almost cringe in itself, but it's like, almost like, iconic now and i think that so when when you're on a stage like that like chiefs fans are going to be looking at pictures of travis kelsey celebrating that super bowl for decades and so yeah, it doesn't and, really to me it doesn't matter yeah and outside of all the ick and cringe i thought it was really cool that uh you know he made it a point to say and now we got a chance to to try for a third because i know he said he was going to return but remember earlier in the year kind of doing the attention grabbing oh i think about retiring every day I kind of like that uh, he just kind of went right at it uh, at the end there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers threatens to not come back when he didn't do shit. Yeah. Yeah. We, th- we'll we talk about that in another. That is, speaking yeah. of Aaron Rodgers, we will <laughs> talk about the, uh, we can call it a podcast, but whatever the hell that was he did with Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that in another, another episode. Right. Well, uh, let's, get, have... let's just get to Mahomes. Let's just get to Mahomes. Um, so we obviously all week we've been making the Brady comparisons uh, he's legitimately on track. Okay. It's not just podcast speak or anything like that. He's getting to the Super Bowl and actually winning them. He has one loss and that is to Tom Brady. And I thought, I kind of thought it was cool that Mahomes said, yeah, it's tricky because Tom Brady's always going to have that one Super Bowl on me or whatever. And that's something we'll probably revisit one day if Patrick Mahomes stays on this sort of pace. But he went and did it again, and he's just that much closer. And yeah, still, I mean, he's still just really at the beginning of his prime. Maybe just, maybe just hit his stride. Really. Well, so so let me ask you this: how many how many years left do you think Mahomes has of truly, truly, you know, stunningly elite play? Well, at twenty eight years old. A lot of people like to say anytime there's an athletic quarterback, right? They like to say, yeah, but the longevity won't be there because, you know, you got to be able to throw and blah, blah. Patrick Mahomes obviously is the whole package, right? You ever see those graphics where they say building the perfect QB, Aaron Rodgers arm, you know, Tom Brady IQ. He kind of is that. So he could do it all. There's really no reason for me to think that he would have to slow down at one point. Now, things happen in the NFL. Maybe they don't keep a group like this together forever, and he doesn't get that Belichick-Brady treatment into his 40s. You know, maybe maybe that's the case. But there's no reason for me to think he'd be slowing down soon. None at all. And and I think that 
one thing you said there was very interesting in the fact that they, you know, you're right. When, when people are labeled as, you know, mobile or athletic quarterbacks, whatever you, you often find that people will say, yeah, they're, you know, they're going to lose their legs eventually, uh, you know, whatever. Must I remind everyone, Patrick Mahomes won playoff games and a Super Bowl when he had one ankle. He, which, yeah, he won, the, he won the Super Bowl last year on one leg. It, which is absolutely insane. And it's, I think that that in, in itself, aside from just, again, winning the Super Bowl alone is obviously like an unbelievable feat for any quarterback, whether it's Mahomes, Brady, whoever. But I think that if I'm looking at that, and especially this year, like if this wasn't the year, looking at the entire team that the Chiefs have and looking at Mahomes and even Mahomes' season this year, incredible, right? Great, great season. No one's going to question how well Mahomes played all year. But this was this might be the the worst team that Mahomes will ever have. Yeah, yeah, like, they led the league crazy. in drops. His supporting cast led the entire league in drops. Yeah, and 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 it was honestly it it kind of scared me off. And we, you and I, and I'll, I'll I'm a hand up guy. I'll put my hand up here and I'll admit that I was I was wrong again. I'm, I won't group you into it, but please please do if you seem fit. But we were here saying that you know. All right, we we just don't see it this year. We think that the yeah. the receivers will catch up to them. You know, obviously no Tyreek Hill. Uh, going again, going to the Dolphins, and now Chiefs winning back to back Super Bowls after trading Tyreek Hill. By the way, just throwing that out there. But yeah. the uh, I think that it's it's so impressive that, and it's not even like 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 Brady when he when he was winning and he was great. He always like found guys and made them great. Like I feel like Mahomes didn't even like do that like there was no one on the team that I looked at like Rashi Rice is good solid young receiver but he's no Wes Welker he's no, no Julian Edelman no he, but know, let's let's give Rashi Rice some credit let's give Rashi Rice some credit because I mean really they're I don't want to say Tyreek Hill replacement but I think that their plan was we have to get you know sort of a a number one receiver in the building and I think that was supposed to be Kadarius Tony, who wasn't even able to suit up yesterday so let's let's at least give rice some credit for because i mean you take him out of the equation who is he throwing the ball to outside yeah. of obviously his tight end yeah there was it, there was a bunch of no names really it, it really was and it's i think it's just so impressive that he can he's able to maneuver in the fact that he doesn't it doesn't really even like marquez valdez scantling is making huge plays for him right and it's yeah. and it's not even like he, they're making these amazing catches either. Like, you know, you look at, you look at guys like, you know, Eli Manning, right. We'll just keep it local. You know, Mario Manningham, you could, the, the catch or the throw, however you want to look at it. Mario Manningham career wise is like way better than a Marquez Valdez Scantling is. And he's making, he was like the backup receiver on, or the second receiver on that team. And I think that you, when, when weighing this Super Bowl in terms of like the talent around, I think it's one of the Super Bowls where, the quarterback on offense had perhaps the 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 most lackluster of groups around him ever. Yeah, and yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think I that's a not. crazy statement. I hope the Jets don't look at the Chiefs as you know a blueprint because I really think Mahomes is the only guy that's going to bring a group like that to this sort of stage. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's. I don't even think that there's someone you can, you can throw me your Josh Allen's. You can throw me your Joe Burrows. I don't yeah. think that any of them could do that. And and looking looking at all of them, like 
you know, Burrow obviously hurt, but, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, unbelievable cast of characters there. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cook, uh, Dalton Kincaid they drafted. I mean, they Gabe Davis, big game, big game Gabe. They're, Can't beat all these guys have just have at least one person that, uh, you know, can, is is could change the game. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey is that, but you look at most of the season, there's not a lot of times where Mahomes was, you know, the, the Chiefs didn't win games because Travis Kelsey went crazy. They won games because Mahomes was able to, to, to find something that worked. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just so impressive. I could sit here all day and ramble on about how impressed I am of, of Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs. And I, I guess the last thing we'll close out here with is, I mean, this is a solidified dynasty at this point, no? Yeah, when you go to four and win three, how could you not be? Yeah, and, and it's and it's so it's it I don't want to say it's you know being a Jet fan, it, it hurts to watch this because they're you know, Chiefs are in the AFC. Even if yeah. the Jets even if the Jets get a quarterback and they, they have an unbelievable season, we're still at the end of the day, you're still gonna have to beat Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and buddy, buddy, I'm just happy that the dynasty's not in the division this time. That, that yeah, I'll and, take that. And and we got new uniforms. Yeah, yeah, April twenty twenty four, baby. Let's let's. Uh, also, they're new uniforms, but they're not. They're the legacy yeah. ones, and I guess they're going to add maybe a green one and I guess a black one. Yeah, I I, I saw the video uh, or the like little promo video they put out. I didn't really do too much digging into that, but I do yeah, hate I, the currents, so I'm, I'm all for it. I'm I. You know what, which ones I miss? I miss the the disgusting blue and gold ones. Yeah, me too. The little Titan throwback. I may or may not have had a, a shown green. Uh, uh, blue and black or blue and orange. Um, yeah, Jeff yeah. throwback at one point may or may I not got, have. I got a Ladanian Tomlinson one laying around, kind of far, I think. Wow, that's a good. good. That's a that's a good one. Yeah, with yeah. LT Jets. But um, all right. Any anything else before we get out of here? Just wanted to stick to the Super Bowl. We'll we'll come back later later this week. We'll talk some uh, basketball. Yeah. It's a little bit again, a little bit of slow season now until pitchers and catchers. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll be back talking about. Whatever, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Rogan. Hopefully, the Knicks yeah. uh, can make it. Don't have any more injuries until they all star break. Uh, the Knicks are in action tonight against the Rockets. Um, still the, don't know the, if Caleb Brunt's going to play, but the comparison of like NFL talk to MLB talk is so funny. Because yeah. like right now, like, like we've done you know NFL playoffs for how long? Think about the stuff we're going to be talking about in a couple months. Like, oh, like was this too many ups for Garrett Cole? Yeah. It is uh do you, do you think Judge needs to rest after uh, after hitting two doubles last night? Yeah. Should DJ <laughs> Which, Stewart be the everyday starter? Yeah. Where like why why is uh why are the Mets uh what you call it? I I look I could have went so many different directions. Why, there why did the Mets day. ex-GM get suspended? Yeah. I I was I just that's me live biting my tongue right there. <laughs> so I'm just gonna reserve judgment for the season. So um yeah. if nothing else, uh hope you all enjoyed the Super Bowl. Again, Matt totally just finished the job at the end of the season there uh, in the pick segment, really put his foot down. Yep. So uh, real good. hats off to him there. An impressive win, me. albeit by me. What'd you say? Hats off to me. Hats off to you. Really, really put your foot down. So uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back later this week and peace out.